In today's podcast, I speak with Nolan Baker about being born again. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Before we get started in today's topic, let me remind you to go and check out EdenHollow.com. This is the company I started to start publishing some Bible study guides and spiritual books, but we're starting to branch out into some fiction and even talking to some other authors. We'd love to have you check out what's going on at EdenHollow.com. Now let's jump into today's episode. Nolan Baker is a friend of mine that I met at a camp that I work at. We met last year and I told him he was hands down my favorite new counselor ever. He's 25 years old. He's been preaching for two or three years already and is doing great work and affecting the kingdom and reaching people with the word. And you'll see that in the way that he talks about the word of God today. He is actually a med student attending at UAB, but he preaches on the side and enjoys sharing God's word with people. So I'm excited to have him join me today on the podcast as we discuss being born again. Let's jump right in. We are talking about being born again, trying to get to the bottom of why that phrase is so important and what it is about that phrase that really matters to us. So let's start with a definition. How would you describe the meaning of that phrase born again? It's funny how it's used because it kind of feels like a title where people like separate it from like you're either a born again Christian or not. But when you look at scripture, it's not used a whole lot, definitely not in the Old Testament. And really asking for a definition is exactly what Nicodemus did in John 3, which is kind of why I chose it was because that way I didn't have to give my own definition. There's just a guy asking for a definition in John 3. But really to sum it up, it's just not being focused on the physical anymore and being focused on the spiritual. That was kind of the main thing that Jesus was trying to teach Nicodemus in that conversation. So yeah, so let's go ahead and read that. That's John 3, verse 1 down through verse 8. Now there is a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's wombs to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. It's funny how Jesus, he gets upset with them and so many different kind of Biblical scholars you read about kind of debate what exactly Jesus is upset with Nicodemus about, why he's disappointed. And I think it just, like, it's pretty basically, it boils down to Nicodemus as a Pharisee. 
he should be the most focused on spiritual things of anybody. Like if his whole job is focusing on the word of God, reading it, he should be Mr. Spiritual Thoughts. And yet when you look at the Pharisees, they read God's word and somehow it made them even more physically focused. You know, all they cared about was how they looked to people. And so Jesus is disappointed because this man, Nicodemus, he should know, he should be thinking spiritual thoughts. He should be thinking about kind of the transformation that happens in your heart that's talked about a few times in the Old Testament. But instead, he just doesn't get it. He's only focused on the physical. And Jesus is just trying to instill inside of him, you got to think about the spiritual because that's really, it's all that matters here is the spiritual. Another big thought that I have, this was kind kind of my main Main idea is is kind of dependence when you're born again. Um, there's a fun little thought exercise I like to do a lot with myself where I wonder if I could start my life over knowing everything I currently know, would I do it? And initially, you know, obviously, yes. Like who, who wouldn't want to just start life over with everything you already know? Like you could be an amazing athlete if you started training at the age of two or you could not make all those mistakes you've made before. But when I thought about it more, I realized that like the first 10 or 11 years would be absolutely miserable when you know all these things, but you're now completely reliant on your parents. When you start over again, you know, when you're a baby, even if you have the same brain, you can't move anywhere. You can't even walk. You have all these problems and you can only depend on your parents. And so I realized just how miserable being born again would actually be. And what Jesus is saying is what I want for my kingdom and what I want for my followers is for you to accept that everything you currently know and understand is probably wrong. And instead, you need to be born again, not to learn how to walk or how to eat and feed yourself, but you have to be born again and learn how to feed yourself spiritually and how to walk in the path that Jesus walked. And so you're Giving up when you're born again, it's complete dependence. It's a life where you say, I don't know anything. And the only thing that I do know is everything that Jesus has already taught me. Um, I think this is kind of carried on in Matthew 18, when Jesus like calls a small child to him and says, only someone like one of these, you know, who's greatest in the kingdom. It's a little child like this. And it's because that little child depends upon his father for everything. It's not until you get older and you start thinking, oh, I've got this world figured out that you start, you know, looking and making your own decisions. God wants us to stay in that state where a small child depends upon his father for everything. And we have to be born again to do it because, you know, even at the age of 25, I still think I know what's right and like what good decisions are. But if I'm born again, then I'm realizing every single thing that I need has to come from God. I can't possibly look out for myself, and I need to be like that small child again, relying on Christ for everything. So I like that. And honestly, I've never thought of John 3 from that angle of when we are born again, what we are doing is essentially volunteering to be entirely dependent on God the way we were initially born in the flesh, now being born in the spirit. We are 100% dependent on God for everything and looking to God for both provision and training. And that that is a remarkable idea. It's, it's kind of putting the emphasis back on the heart and putting it back on spiritual things, which is really what Jesus you know, was trying to do with Nicodemus. And that's part of what ties into verse 8 
about how the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. It's this thing that you can't, you know, we don't really see it come upon someone, but like the wind, you can see its effect. You know when the Spirit has come upon someone, just like you know when the wind knocks something over. You're not just completely shocked that it fell. You're like, oh, it's the wind. First John actually has a lot of references to those that are born of God, the kind of effects that happen on them, how being born of God, how you can see a transformation and the effect that that has on them. Chapter 2, verse 29 of First John says that everyone born of God practices righteousness. Chapter 3, 9 says everyone who is born of God, they don't make a practice of sinning anymore. Chapter 4, verse 7, everyone who loves is born of God because God loves. Everyone who believes in Christ, everyone who overcomes the world through their faith and is protected by the evil one, these are all the sorts of effects that being born again of God can have on you as First John teaches. So just hearing that list of things, who wouldn't want to be born again? Like it's kind of like one of those obvious things. If, if you had a button that says, can I be born again? I think everyone's pushing that button, at least initially. They might not always know what all goes into it, and actually hold to it. But it sounds like such a great idea at the onset. One of the other passages that always makes me think of the idea of being born again is what you find in Romans chapter 6. So Romans chapter 6 talks about we've been buried with him with baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And it uses the image of being raised with Christ or resurrected as Christ was resurrected. Does that go along with, say, Jesus' teachings to Nicodemus of being born of water and spirit? Mm. Yes. I, yeah, I would say yes. And I'm sure you wouldn't have asked the question if yes wasn't the answer. Uh, but Jesus, when talking to Nicodemus, he's trying to get Nicodemus to think more like Christ thinks. And so really, that's the first step in being born again of the Spirit is so that you're not thinking like a man, you're thinking like Christ. And likewise, once you start thinking like Christ, you also follow Christ and that you start doing the same things that he did. When you think like Christ, all of a sudden you're not, you know, you're not doing all these sins, you're not focused on all these things of the world, like getting ahead at work or, you know, trying to get ahead with other your relationships. Now you're just doing the things that Jesus did. And that ultimately follows with following Christ through his death into the waters of baptism and then coming up again, because just as Christ died for our sins, so we too have to die and then be born again. Jesus was trying to get Nicodemus started on that path of thinking not like Nicodemus, but thinking like Christ. So do you believe that Jesus is teaching baptism in John chapter 3? Is he telling Nicodemus to be baptized, or is this something that is maybe related but not quite the same thing? I definitely think it is meant to call upon the thought of baptism. You, you have to keep in mind he's, he's upset with Nicodemus for thinking too physically. So I think it would be a disservice to look at John 3 and just say, yep, Jesus said if you don't get baptized, you can't go to heaven. Uh, that would be grossly lessening the effect of God's words. However, it definitely shows that of water and spirit. So there is some water that is required in some fashion. 
Um, and it's kind of hard to go through the New Testament and find a lot of references to water that aren't baptism. So just statistically, baptism is, is definitely, I, I think it's being hinted at, at the minimum. The transformation when you're born again, the, the impetus is on Christ. He's the one that is transforming us because we can't truly transform ourselves. But when he sees us putting forth that effort, then he can wash us again with the spirit uh, so that we can truly be born again. And baptism is definitely a part of that. There have been a lot of debates over the years, particularly with certain groups of people who try to argue that baptism is not necessary. And I have brothers and sisters who will turn to John chapter three and it says, look, it says be born of water and spirit. Well, that's talking about baptism because baptism involves water because you're immersed and it involves the spirit because it's the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, according to Titus chapter three. And, you know, we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two. So water and spirit together, that has to mean baptism. While I get the point, I think your point here is well stated in that there's no hint in this passage that Jesus is teaching baptism directly. Maybe there are hints of it because, you know, oftentimes baptism is a joining together of the symbol of, of water and spirit. But ultimately, if, if that's what Jesus is teaching here, then you would expect to see Nicodemus go out and get baptized. And we never read of Nicodemus being baptized, ever. We do know Nicodemus becomes a follower of Jesus later on. Mm -hmm. It mentions that uh, whenever uh, Jesus' body needs to be taken down from the cross and buried and those types of things. But uh, you don't read of him being baptized. A little bit later in John, it mentions Jesus in connection with baptism, but it almost downplays the role of baptism in, God, in John's gospel because John was doing, John the Baptist was doing all the baptizing and Jesus' disciples were doing baptizing, but it says Jesus himself wasn't baptizing people. Now that does not by any means mean that baptism is unnecessary or unimportant. Maybe Jesus's point here was not go be baptized. Maybe Jesus's point here was something bigger than go be baptized. It was be drawn to the spirit and to the spiritual things, not to the physical requirements, and make sure that you're putting the emphasis where it belongs, which is following the spirit. I only have bad examples of this, but I think I've seen in my life times when I've seen people get baptized, but as you kind of see how it plays out and then they fall away like mere months later, you can kind of tell they were never truly born again. Nothing had really changed inside of them. They just kind of were doing something that seemed like socially seemed like a good idea at the time uh, to them until they started just hanging out with a different group of friends that started telling them what they wanted to hear. That's it's kind of why you're I think your job as a preacher is not to see how many baptisms you get. It's how many souls you can save. And I think kind of looking at it, the bigger picture like that really points to John three and what Jesus is trying to do, especially since it's at the beginning of the gospel is Jesus is just trying to say the bare minimum, like the whole starting of my ministry is that you've got to change completely. You've got to give up everything you thought you knew, everything you've worked hard for, and instead you've got to start doing what I say, what I think. That's what's got to be important to you. 
And so, yeah, I think just using it as baptism definitely is is hurtful to Jesus's message here because it means it's means so much more about what's going on uh, inside of people's hearts. Just some fun verses I found while looking up the word born in the Bible. Uh, Job, Job 14.1 said, man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. Later, like one chapter later, he says, or he who is born of a woman that he can be righteous. So really, I mean, Job's kind of throwing a pity party for himself there, but he's right in saying that anyone that's just born of the flesh, we can't possibly hope to be righteous like our God is. It's not something we can ever achieve on our own. And so living a life that's just completely dependent, uh, giving up all of these things, giving up our own autonomy, essentially, uh, is just, you have to remember, we can't fix anything. Nothing we do matters. It's what God does with us that matters. And it, it really just takes a lot of humility it takes a lot of studying scripture to understand just how much bigger God is than we are um, and just utterly becoming dependent on him. Another thing I thought of when thinking of things that children do that I think the born again Christian should also be doing. Um, you know, when a kid, you tell, you tell a small child that you're going to take them to like Six Flags or Disney World and you tell them that's not going to happen till like, you know, December. All right. And it's nowhere close to December. But every single week up till December, that kid at some point is going to be like, you remember when you said we were going to Disney World? Uh, we're still going, right? Over and over, that kid will keep bringing up the promises of the parent. I found something very interesting in a Bible class one time where we looked at all of the prayers of the Old Testament and just kind of see what we could look for. And time and time again, the things that people bring up to God in their prayers is they remind God of his promises to them. They say, God, you promised that we would be delivered from this land and we would get to return to our homeland. God, you promised that if we worship you, you will lead us to this promised land. God, you promised that I'm going to get this inheritance. Over and over, these people remind God, God, you said this, and that's what I'm excited about. That's what I'm thinking about. The promises of God, they should mean that much to us. The promises of all the things God said he will do for his faithful servants, that he'll heal and protect and he'll watch out for us and he'll exalt us from our lowly state. Those are the promises we should be thinking about and excited about over and over. I found a lot of times for people that grow up in the church, I'm sure they're already living most of like the tenets of, uh, of good Christian. There's still got to be that understanding that even this, as good of a person as I am, I still have to make that change. Um, I think it can sometimes be easier to see the change in your life when you, you know, didn't grow up a Christian and you convert. And so all of a sudden your life's completely different. But sometimes it can be hard for those that grew up living good people in a Christian household to still recognize I still can't trust myself. Even though by the world standards, I'm the best behaved kid there was, you know, perfect attendance, everything. I still have to understand I can't make my own decisions. It's not going to work. I still have to give everything up. And that's can be a hard thing to understand for a lot of young, young people in Christian households. Just a different mindset, you know, where you go from just being a good person to all of a sudden every single cell of you oozes with longing for that home, with an excitement for Christ and doing what he did. And it's a transformation that, you know, it can be hard to see 
sometimes in yourself and to understand initially, but once you kind of get there, you get there. John 17 is one of my favorite chapters. Uh, and when Jesus says, and this is eternal life, knowing God the Father and knowing me who was sent by God. And, you know, you kind of like scratch your head and you're like, I thought eternal life was going to heaven. And really, Jesus is just pointing out, if you get to know me, all heaven is is an extension of knowing me even better. And so really, you have access to that eternal life even while you're here on this earth. You know, eternal life's not just something you just kind of hope you find when you die. You just wake up somewhere and you're like, oh, I guess I'm here. He says eternal life is knowing me. And we have access to that eternal life already right now through being born again. There we go. That's a good wrap up. As you can tell from the conversation, being born again is about more than just salvation. Oftentimes, that's the way the phrase gets used to talk about being saved. But the truth is, it's more about conversion than it is about coming to a saved relationship with God. We want all people to be born again, to come to Jesus and find that they can have a Father in heaven, that they can have a God who loves them and who will make them new. And as we talked about on the podcast, that means becoming a new creation, that means walking in newness of life, and that means becoming an entirely dependent soul on God. He will provide for you what you need, and that includes the idea of salvation. If you've not been saved, if you've not been born again, and you want to know more about that, please reach out to us here at Preach Impediments. You can find our contact information at preachimpediments.com, or you can find us on Facebook. And we really do hope you'll reach out to us, ask your question, and let us know how we can serve you. And one way you can serve others is to be sharing this podcast with them. We would love for you to let people know about Preach Impediments, let them know about some past episodes we have, and also check out the new interactive supplement we have available on the website. We would love for you to sign up for the newsletter, and in the newsletter you will find a password that allows you to open up that interactive supplement and start using it in a way that will help you dig deeper into the topics we're discussing on this podcast. So let us know how we can serve you. Reach out to us. There will be a follow-up episode on Thursday where I spend a little bit more time talking about being born again. I hope you'll tune in then. Until next time.